earlier in the year, I went on a bit of a LinkedIn rant about how staffing firms should be using video to stand out. And I said, if I started a recruiting agency, the first thing that I would install would be a video department and a studio. And then not too long after, I see videos start to come up on my LinkedIn feed from this guy in the UK who'd started a podcast and was recording video, was interviewing people in the industry. And that guy is here with me now. Hisham, how are you, sir? Cody, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting one how we got to know each other, but it's, uh, it? it's a pleasure. I still uh, just find today's world fascinating that I can be sitting in uh, my home in London, UK, and you're over in Canada, and we can uh, connect and hopefully give the people listening something um, of value, which I just think is still crazy <laughs> that we were able to do this. How good is it? And, and when, we, when we initially spoke, I was in Vancouver, so we were separated by, I don't know, about eight or ten hours time zone yeah. and uh, still managed to get on Skype together. And yeah, yeah like I, I love your work, man. I'm looking forward to, to chatting and, you know, I've spoken openly about the process I went through to create my show. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, talking about your podcast, which recruitment roller coaster, awesome name, but what was the foundational idea? Why did you start it? What was the compelling point for you where you're like, I, I think there's something here. Yeah, no, great question. So I think basically um, I'm someone, firstly, I religiously listened to podcasts. Um, I listened to Joe Rogan, Impact Theory, just just all the, the usual culprits. And I used to commute an hour to work and that was my podcast time or audio book time. And uh, one day I was like, I, I saw at this point I was working in recruitment and I worked in uh, a small business. So there was eight of us. So obviously I had access, direct access to the business owner and uh, direct access to some, some great people in that business who'd been doing it for three, four, five plus years. And uh, they, they were the people that I could learn from. And obviously the, the type of person I was, I read, I listened to podcasts. I was always open to obviously learning from, from other people. And one day on the way to work, I was... I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting or hopefully good if I could uh, learn something relevant to my uh, working life, which was recruitment. And when I looked for that uh, on the way to work through a podcast, there were some podcasts there. I think there was three or four podcasts there. And um, I started listening to them. And if I'm honest, I, I didn't think they were great. They didn't resonate with me. And the people that that were talking were had had been in recruitment uh, fifteen ten years ago, so I, did, I just found it really difficult to um, relate to it and and get a lot out of it. So just through that natural curiosity of oh wow, wouldn't it be interesting if I could uh, listen to something on the way to work? Um, I then thought, well, hang on a minute. Um, isn't this something that I could do? <laughs> quite <laughs> frankly, that that that's that it was it was really quite natural. But I guess just to add to that, before that point, I uh, had actually started the recruitment roller coaster, which was just a blog. At this point, so I had my own I had my sort of own journey up till that point in starting the blog. So by the time I was then looking for a podcast that was relevant to my recruitment world and if I could learn from uh, people in recruitment and these things was um, that's when I stumbled across then the podcast and I had people um, actually contributing to the blog that I started by doing guest posts and they were asking specific questions. I was like, well, hang on a minute. Could I not ask the people that um, are currently giving me their time by replying to my questions and, and posting on the blog to, to uh, have a conversation? which then formed the podcast. But I guess just to round that off, Cody, it would be that I just, I just felt that the, the sort of knowledge in my four walls within the business was, was obviously was limited to the four walls. And I thought, well, hang on a minute, surely there's these amazing people that I'm learning from about business, about life, about everything. Surely there's other people out there that I could learn from that could hopefully um, help me in my recruitment career. 
So that, that, that was really what I was looking for um, because I didn't have that. I didn't, I didn't have access to that. Um, and ultimately it's something that then I've, I guess I've built something that I wish I had for myself. Yeah. It's really interesting because again, going back to my initial gambit there, that was something that I had realized as well is that there is nothing in that industry. And I was more thinking about it from a, you know, my, my initial kind of LinkedIn rant was about personal branding and job branding and personality of recruiters and the personality never comes through. And I tell you what, I've worked with some great salespeople and staffing and technology in Toronto that have the the best personalities and should be on videos just whipping out their job descriptions via video. Here's the client that I'm working with blah, 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 and actually put some personality into it. And that's what I was looking for. And, and then there's, there's just nothing there. And to your point, not even in the podcast landscape, was there something there? Sure. The, the cherry that I liked that you put on top was people within the industry. And do you even know how many people are in the London recruitment industry in general? Like how many people work in that industry? Oh my God. <laughs> so the, the, the number change, the number slightly changes, but I think that there's a lot of data out there to back up that there's anywhere between 28 to 30,000 recruitment businesses in the UK alone. Mm-hmm. And I live in London, obviously when I moved up to London to take um, the job, um, which I had before I started my own business. I mean, in London alone, again, the, the data online will fluctuate, but the numbers that I've seen is anywhere between eight to 9,000 recruitment businesses in London alone. Mm-hmm. So that, that's obviously recruitment businesses, um, not the individuals that work for these businesses. So a lot, <laughs> quite frankly, a no lot kidding. of people. Yeah, and, exactly. And, um, and, and same, you don't have to spend too long on, on LinkedIn to find out that Toronto is, you know, being called Silicon Valley 2.0 and, and, and that's just the tech industry again that I came from. So tech recruiting. Yeah. So you start to think about, you know, there's the big five banks all based here. And, you know, I would imagine you'd start to be getting similar kind of numbers in, in the Toronto scene as well. Mm. Um, so the initial idea behind your show was, you know, 10 minute conversations and, and quick hits and those blog questions, like you were saying, two or three questions yeah. from people in the industry. And you're up to, you know, your shows are 45, 50 minutes now. So what were you leaving on the table? Like, where did you pivot and say, there's more that I can learn from these people? Yeah, no, great question. I think, so, 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 the, so the intention behind the podcast was, so it was that obviously, like there's surely people out there that I could learn from um, selfishly, but also um, to actually quite frankly, is what the strap line is, is to actually uncover the, the true failures, the true successes and the true learnings of, of working in recruitment from recruiters and recruitment business owners. So to be honest with you, when I obviously made the decision to then reach out to people, cause I had to be extremely proactive because a lot of the people that I reached out to that then contributed to the podcast had never done something like this before. So for me, I thought, okay, if I was to reach out to 10 recruiters or 10 recruitment business owners, what pushback or what challenge am I going to get if I'm going to ask them to contribute to a podcast? And for me, the biggest challenge that I um, assumed I would get would be I'm too busy. I'm time poor, right? Recruiters and recruitment business owners are time poor, like a lot of business people, but particularly in recruitment. So my initial approach was, look, I appreciate you haven't done this before. However, it is just a 10 to 20 minute conversation because that sounded a lot better than having a 45, 50 minute conversation. That that was the only intention behind that. But I'll be honest, what then ended up happening was actually it wasn't that... So it wasn't from the place of, oh, actually, there's more people, there's more that people can learn from these people. It was more, right, okay, so what's going to stop this person from contributing and what's going to stop them from enabling me to get more episodes out there? And these things was time. Okay, let's do a 15, 20 minute conversation. But, and then just quite naturally, actually, these people were, um, I mean, look, if you've ever dealt with a recruiter, it's very easy for them to speak about themselves. So, um, that conversation quite quickly turned into a 30, 40, 40, 45 minute conversation, just naturally, if I'm honest, even though the agreement was 
look, Cody, let's put in 15, 20 minutes in your uh, diary. And this is what we're going to do there. Have, these are some of the questions, etc. So if I'm honest, again, it happened quite naturally, but the simple, the simple um, intention behind the, the initial 15, 20 minutes was I wanted to make sure that the, the person that was hopefully um, going to contribute would perceive it as it, it won't take that long. I've had a similar experience with my show and I'm talking to people, you know, that are traveling the world, that probably in a hotel room somewhere, you know, they're doing their nine to 10 keynote talks or book tour or whatever it is. And that's what I think is really interesting about you and your ideas and, and what you've managed to create for yourself is, is that idea of, 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 capturing that within people and within people in an industry that don't have a voice or haven't had a voice up until this point. And that was what was really resonating with me when I started consuming your content was that I think that came across that it was, it was kind of a natural conversation and, you know, you've, you've got a, a great demeanor and can obviously talk the talk and, and walk the walk as well. So um, yeah, credit to you there because that can be tough. But like you said, people love to talk about themselves and they love to have conversations with other people. And so, yeah, you know, 15 minutes can very easily become 45 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, again, just being completely honest and it, a, lot, a lot of this just sort of, I, I relied on my gut instinct and my intuition for a lot of this, if I'm honest. And um, particularly with, the the blog and obviously obviously what I obviously what I had to sort of back up my confidence to start a podcast and actually have people that were willing to contribute or at least listen was that it did start as a blog initially so people were reading that blog people were willing to contribute to it as a guest poster and these things so obviously I had that to to help boost my confidence that these people that I was reaching out to would hopefully um, be willing to contribute and then help me out essentially. Um, so I think that, that definitely helped. And so the podcast and, and the associated video and everything, this blows up and now you've got an opportunity to create your own company, which you've done. Yeah. And I'll let you give us the two minute pitch on that in a minute, but you know, that's a scary move, man. You're talking the last couple of years, obviously a, a lot has changed for you. Yeah. What, did you recognize in yourself that said, this is my opportunity. I'm the person to do this. Sure. I've got, you know, the podcast going well, but to go out and actually create a business around that and help more people. I don't want to know about the business opportunity. I want to know about what you recognized in yourself. What, what gave you the confidence to be able to do this? Good question. Imposter syndrome is a word. Um, I've uh, had a few conversations with people about and it it definitely wasn't easy. I definitely looked in the mirror and go and said to myself, Hisham, who are you to to decide and and start a business like this? Do you have enough experience? Um, Do you know enough? Um, Are people actually going to buy into it and these things? So I definitely had those thoughts and still continue to have those thoughts, right? Um, However, I think first and foremost, I've always wanted to have my own business, always. Um, ever since I had a really simple epith- epiphany, um, which j- just generally changed the, the sort of course of my career and my life was that the best investment I could make was in myself. And I probably realized that in my early 20s. Up until that point, all I cared about was other people's opinions, girls going out, just the typical young male thing to, to care about, um, which is why I was willing to sit in front of the, the telly with my mates and watch Love Island and, and all these things whilst two of my closer friends um, weren't coming. And I found that strange, which I was then curious by, and they were reading these books and all these things. But ever since I made that decision to actually, well, hang on a minute, the best investment I can make is in myself, that, that whole journey from that, from that moment, I've then wanted more for myself and through that whole process, I've, I've always wanted to have my own business. So for example, when I was in recruitment, 
I was, I had an Amazon business for a year, year and a half where I was selling. I, I was a vegan for a year and a half. So the products I sold was a vegan wallet <laughs> <laughs> on um, Amazon. It was made out of cork. I was extremely passionate about it. Um, I also sold meditation cushions on Amazon. I, I went to car boot sales on the weekend and, and sold secondhand clothing, motorbike, levers and, and all these things, right? So I always had that entrepreneurial flair, I feel like, and you have to have that in recruitment or the best people I think have, have, have that, have something in them in that, in, in the recruitment. So I've always one wanted to have my own business and then basically leading up to the point where I made the decision to start my own business and what that was going to be focused on was it was completely focused and honed in on, um, what I had learned over the last two and a half years so I guess what 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 made me realize or what gave me the confidence even though I definitely doubted myself was that I wasn't going to be in the business of teaching people what I didn't know I was essentially going to teach people what I had learned over those last two and a half years and if I was to go back and do it again this is how I would now do it um, which would hopefully mean that I can help people quicker and, and help people quicker than what I ended up doing for myself. So I guess the answer to that is I've always wanted to have my own business. Um, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it. I wouldn't be nice to put entrepreneur in my Instagram bio. It was something that I generally wanted to always do, but I never knew exactly what that looked like until that point of, um, where I am now, if I'm honest. So it's that. And then it's also, I, the, the business itself is me teaching people what I know and not what I don't know and trying to build a business around something that quite frankly isn't authentic or, or true. Um, and then the other thing just to, to run that off Cody is business 101, right? Scratch, itch your own scratch or scratch your own itch, whatever it is. Right. So, um, I, when I was starting to think about, okay, if I was to start my own business, what does that look like? I then asked myself a very simple question, which was what, what is a common problem, problem people have or a common problem that people tell me they have. And also what is a common thing that people ask for uh, help with? And I would get messages on a weekly basis um, from recruiters or from people in the industry that I now serve asking me for advice around elevating their brand, their personal brand and how they can market themselves better. Does that make sense? So I think that that was a bit of a insight into how I got to this point, but I'd say they're the sort of core things that um, gave me the confidence, even though, as I said, definitely had the conversation myself as to who are, who are you to, to start this, etc. cetera. But um, that's the sort of journey that I went on and, and sort of what led to the point of me making the decision to start my own business. Imposter syndrome is such an interesting thing because it's everywhere. And yeah. you know, the people that come on my show are CEOs and coaches in the professional leagues all around the world. They're on television every day. They have 20 years of coaching experience. Well, They're, isn't it the most, you might be able to help me on this, but isn't it, I've heard, isn't it the most, isn't it more common than actually more highly achieving successful people? It is so prevalent. I yeah. can't tell you from just, yeah, conversations that I've had in my experience over the last couple of years in, in not just interviewing people, but just having conversations with, with people around yeah. different industries. And it's amazing how common it is and, and how misunderstood it is. And, you know, people idolize, these people, but that doesn't mean that those people don't doubt themselves on a daily basis and don't look around at their competitors and say they're way better than me and, and don't look around and say other people are more experienced than me. And yeah, I love that you raised that and started there because it's just such a common piece of society that I think we don't really talk about very much, Yeah, but it is yeah. everywhere. And, um, it, 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 yeah, I mean, one, one, someone commented on my post <clears throat> the other day and it sort of tapped into this and it's actually quite quite difficult to swallow. And um, basically, my, my, whole, my whole thing is using your personal brand in the recruitment world and, and being able to market yourself efficiently um, should, if done correctly, help you achieve that sort of go-to status within your market, right? which, which every, sure. every, um, 
well, I guess it's obviously not just um, important in, in recruitment, but in recruitment, a lot of recruiters and recruitment business owners, their sort of intention and their goal and objective would be, uh, we want to be the go-to recruiter and the go-to staffing um, agency in the tech space, right? It, it, it's um, mostly it's mostly outbound. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but but why why I'm why I'm sharing that is because um, I shared a video which. Um, basically what sits on my website and it just explains um, one of the services services I have, which is uh, a uh, workshop training program. And obviously that, that's the, the reason why I say um, one of the, one, one of the ways, that, well, how I start that video is if you're an agency owner or you're a recruiter, no doubt that you want to be the go-to person in your market, right? But you have no idea how to achieve that, et cetera, et cetera. And someone comes on, on, on the video basically saying, Hisham, you worked in recruitment for two and a half years. Did you achieve that go-to status in your market in that time? If so, impressive. Um, and if you didn't, why are you teaching people to do that, right? And um, I saw that comment and it just straight away just sort of took me back to go to that conversation I had with myself with like, who are you to start this, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, it was quite hard to swallow, and obviously, I com I went to comment back, but I could, but I couldn't put my. It didn't let me put enough words, so I, I direct messages person. But it's again why I'm sharing that story is because it's you have that conversation with yourself, and then literally one person's perspective or one person's opinion could literally make you decide. I don't know, make you decide to completely doubt yourself even further, and um, that's difficult. Do you get what I mean? But I think for me, just, just to finish that off, Cody, is like for me, because I was having this conversation with someone the other day who was thinking about starting their own business and these things, and he's like, I'm not sure if I've got enough, um, I've got, I'm not sure if I've got enough clout to start my own business experience, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, it's like, who decides if you're an expert at something or not? It's not yourself, in my opinion. It's the people that you serve, so if Cody is perceived as someone who knows his stuff about sports psychology, now you can profess that you know the ins and outs of that. However, when it's the most effective and when it truly resonates with people that you can help, it's decided by the people that you can help and by the audience and by the market and not by Cody. Do you get what I mean? So yeah, that, I just, that, just talking about that just made me think about that, which happened a couple of weeks ago. And made me sort of go back into myself and go, well, hang on a minute, Hisham, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> Who are you to do this? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and you know what? There's an element of that you're never going to make everyone happy anyway. Mm. And especially when you're trying to grow something and you, you take off on this trajectory and you think that everyone's going to be interested, but the reality is, is there's going to be people that will only consume content from that person that that guy's describing. I only want to hear mm. from people who've been there, done that. And, and, and that's fine. It's not going to make for a well-rounded individual if you ask me, but there are going to be people like that. And, mm. and the reality is, and I wrote about this in my book is I'm really curious about, this idea of experience because in my background I can tell you who never played in the NFL and his name's Bill Belichick and I think he's got a couple of ideas about football that don't actually come from lived experience and I think he's done okay for himself and uh, I tell you who never played in the NBA uh, coach Popovich and I think he's done quite well for himself and I can keep reeling off uh, mm. people at the top of their industries that have never had that lived experience that they are seen as the go-to source in their industry. Mm. And, and so I just, I, I get where that comment is coming from. I understand that, that idea, but I think there it's so limiting and yeah, mm. uh, you know, it, yeah, it is, it's, still, it's still tough to, to, to take in. Don't get me wrong. And yeah, I've had those comments as well, but yeah, I just don't see the correlation. Yeah, I think all, all I'd just say to sort of finish that off as well is that because it was part of the message that I um, I sent to him was like I, I I guess if someone if someone says that about you and then you sort of look in the mirror 
and then you think actually I'm at, like what am I actually doing here and, and you really start sort of doubting the value that you bring and that that's what I probably went back to if I'm honest I said well hang on a minute okay I understand where this person's coming from completely valid point and question however I'm definitely not in the business of teaching people what I don't know I'm only in the business of teaching people what I do know and also I really believe in the value that I bring because people telling me that I've helped them and these things so I guess there are always going to be people that may perceive that you're not in a well position to offer the advice or help or whatever that you are but at the same time if someone says that I think yeah it is always tough to swallow but you have to swallow it and then actually if you're then swallowing it and going actually these people that I'm professing to help I'm not actually helping them because what I'm teaching them I'm just sort of winging it winging it or whatever which sometimes you obviously have to do but I think there's also an element there if if you do get these comments like I think there's don't be delusional and, and don't take them in you have to take them in but and then actually think about well actually no I'm I'm actually helping people um, with what I do know and what I've learned through my own experiences and stuff and also um, actually really think about well I am am I actually helping people um, do you get what I mean so I think there's also an element there that you have to think about and be be true to yourself and be honest with yourself that you can also also be delusional that oh no 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 one should think that whatever but I think it's, it's a it's also good to use those moments to to look at yourself in the mirror and be honest totally yeah, yeah the, the, the coach comes out of me in that. And that was one of my frustrations with, with the recruitment industry and why I probably dropped out in the end was what you're talking about. I was never going to be the top biller, but I, mm. if, if you had made me the manager and I went to companies and said, I need to be the manager, I can make all your people better, but I probably can't do what they do. And, and there's that element as well. And, and that's what kind of comes out of me when, when those things come up is, Mm. I'm not convinced that you need to have necessarily been there, but you're right. It's a, it's a good reflection point. Mm. Let's change gears for a second here. Cause you know, let's talk about personal branding and, mm. and maybe, maybe where we can start is I'd love to hear your perception on what it's not because we tend to link it with being an influencer and Instagram and all these different things. But what have you learned in your time at, that you're passing on to recruiters? But but I think it's a lot broader than that. And I think a lot of people listening, whatever industry they're in should think about this through their own lens. Mm. What, what, what do you see personal branding as what, what, what is it and what isn't it? <laughs> so I think look in a nutshell for me, it's, it's your reputation. It's, what people say about you when you're not in the room and um that for me that that's what your personal brand is it's it's your it's your reputation it's how people describe you um and uh, when you're not in the room when you're not there right i think what it isn't is something that you can use and leverage to um try and sell or offer a service and these things that that isn't true um, I think that that's what I really like about it, that you can't building a personal brand that just quite frankly, isn't the case. Um, if you're trying to be perceived in a certain way, because it will benefit your bottom line or it'll benefit your sales figures, um, you can very quickly get found out. So I think just, just in short, really, it's, it's not, it's not something that you can use today just to get more likes, more awareness, more engagement. Um, if, just just to make more money basically it's it's got to be more than that and then i think the other thing is it's definitely not in my opinion with the people that that do it the right way it's it's not something that you can use just to to um breed more of your ego and it's it's extremely egotistical and and these things i think obviously people also have that perception that oh what you just want to sort of inflate your ego online and all these things i, I definitely think it's it's more than that as well so I guess they're the things that are coming to mind um, when you ask that question. And so the opportunities for recruiters are, are vast. And again, going back to my, yeah, <laughs> my original point, there's, there's nothing and even little things like adding some personality online, I think is, is a step in the right direction. But where, where sure. do you see big opportunities for recruiters if 
recruiters are listening to the show, um, again, this is a, a broad strokes question and I expect a broad strokes answer, but you know, where, where do you see immediate opportunities for improvement from your industry? Yeah, great question. So what I'm finding is, so one of the things that I do with my clients, because I did this for myself, which really motivated me and was one of the biggest reasons as to why I made the decision to use LinkedIn in a different way when I was in recruitment was I will, uh, even if you're in any sort of industry where it's competitive and you have to sell on these things, right? You should know who your competitors are. And particularly in recruitment, more than likely you actually come up against individuals that are working the same jobs, working the same vacancies, or are trying to speak to the same candidates and, and the talent pool that you're trying to engage with. Um, and one of the things that I do is I ask the people that I work with to, to let me know who those people are, right? And you should know who they are, okay? And the reason why I ask that is because when I then have go and look at these people online and what they're doing and what their presence is, um, I'm 90% of the people that I've looked at so far and I've, I've now worked with 20 plus people, um, I'm finding the same thing. And that is that particularly, this just particular to recruitment, is um, recruiters use LinkedIn as a job board. Um, they consistently post about jobs um, and they might share some articles that might be relevant to their industry. Um, but ultimately, what these people are not doing, which comes down to the opportunity, which is what I get everyone to recognize, is these people are not being personal, right? And this is relevant in their industry. If I connect with Cody Royal on LinkedIn, I'm connecting with Cody Royal. However, if I was to scroll through your, your content over the last 90 days, there's a very high chance if you're in recruitment or in, if you're in a other industry and you're not leveraging LinkedIn in that way, um, I will know nothing about Cody after doing that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So the biggest, the biggest part that everyone's missing and the secret is you touched on it there being a bit more personality is the biggest leverage that you have as a sales professional is yourself. The obviously very overused phrase, people buy from people. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's bloody true. So when I, wanna, when I go through your LinkedIn profile, I want to understand a bit more about Cody, who you are, what you stand for, what's important to you, how you can help me, these things, as opposed to want, 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 as these are the jobs I have, can you help me? Or this is... And I think it's a relevant article or whatever. Just ultimately, there's, as you said, there's no personality. There's no person. And I think that, is the, that generally is the biggest secret to it all. And this is what I'm getting people to, to recognize. And it's quite simple, really. That, again, if you can actually just showcase a bit more of what you do already on the phone, on the meetings, over video, et cetera, et cetera, in terms of video calls, et cetera, that's what you need to be doing more of. Um, and that's what I'm trying to get people to do more of. But that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing and the biggest missed opportunity that sales professionals, recruiters have, which is also their biggest weapon um, and their biggest asset when they're trying to, um, yeah, have a successful career in a difficult, difficult um, world, recruitment or sales. It's so dry, isn't it? You're right. It's, it's a job board and... It, you know, it's the same message we're hiring for this, you know, please yep. click through to the, to the job ad. And then you've got a, a dry mundane job yeah. ad too. Now, so just, just to add to that, I was that person. I did that. Me too. Yeah, I, I did that because you get trained to do that. It's just part of the process. You get a job on, do it here, put it on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. But after a year of doing that, I made zero pounds by doing that. Zero. <laughs> And when I then saw my competitors using LinkedIn that way, I now knew that, well, hang on a minute, they are definitely not making money by doing that. So that was sort of the light bulb moment, really. And, and we're, what, two and a half, nearly three years on now, and recruiters are still using it that way because that's what I'm seeing from 90% of the competitors I look at from my clients. And for the people that don't want to go as far as you as an example. So let's, let's say I, I don't want to record videos like my original yeah. idea or start a podcast. Yeah. I think there's, there's just small opportunities. Isn't there like even Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this a lot is people mail in their copy with their mm. posts. So it's great that you're going to repost that 
study from Harvard Business Review or that article from Forbes or whatever everyone's posting at the same time. But even on LinkedIn, people tend to just repost the title of the article. Mm. I want I want people to give me their thoughts. You're an yeah, expert in this opinion, industry. Yeah. Disagree with Harvard Business Review. Like have some guts and say, I disagree with this. I Here's my perspective. Here's what I'm seeing. So it doesn't need to be this grandiose, here's me on video giving a monologue for three minutes about no, no way. how to re- rewrite your resume. You can actually brand yourself personally by just upping your game on copy and you, you don't have to be a flashy person to do that. Yeah, I think my whole advice, because obviously you see so much more video on LinkedIn is look, you don't, you don't, you don't have to jump in front of the camera tomorrow. You really don't. Let's first obviously deploy some, some self-awareness and think about what you're most comfortable with right now. Um, and if that is you just, just writing that, that's fine. I think the most important thing here is you um, take a step towards sharing your opinion and perspective online. Um, it, that's the most important thing. And once you start doing that, you can build a bit of momentum, a bit more confidence, um, which may lead to you doing video. But if you're terrible in front of video, that's fine. You can um, continue to write and get better at that and these things. Um, but you're right. I think my whole thing with the, the resharing piece, which is something that I see a lot of with my clients before I start working with them as to how they use LinkedIn. Uh, for me, I, I, wanna, I, I, I want that to be 25% of what I see. Um, on LinkedIn. So if I go on Cody's profile right now, I want to see um, a, a maximum of 25% of jobs, 25% of obviously relevant articles, et cetera, et cetera. But then 75% of it has got to be about Cody for me. And it's got to be about your perspective, your opinion, sharing your insights on um, what you're seeing in the market, the common things that your candidates and clients are telling you. I think particularly to recruitment, um, you're if you're, if you're listening right now and you're in recruitment, for me, you're in such an interesting, unique position to share content because um, a, the, the big challenge I hear a lot is, Hisham, I, like, I'm no expert or I recruit in a tech space. Like, I, couldn't, I couldn't code something and these things. And that's fine. You don't get paid to do that right? You get paid to be well-informed as to what is going on in your market um, and be well-informed about that. So for me, how you approach that and overcome that challenge, which is one of the biggest challenges that I had, was you facilitate the conversation. For example, let's say that flexible working is something that's becoming more and more prevalent in your industry and more and more important. So what you do is, more than likely you're having these conversations with candidates who are saying, look, are there opportunities for flexible working? I want to work for businesses that have offered this, et cetera, et cetera. So what you do is then basically um, say, this is what I'm hearing in the market. Candidates are telling me this is why they want flexible working. You might add your opinion in there, but you don't have to. But you facilitate the conversation. So you say, hi, hi everyone, my network. Um, it's really interesting. A lot more people are asking for flexible working. This is definitely on the rise. These are the most common reasons I'm hearing. What do you think? pass it straight over to the other people. And all of a sudden then, you're becoming someone that facilitates interesting conversations that people are actually having on a day-to-day basis within their business, with recruiters, with people that isn't about jobs. Do you get, does that make sense? So it's, that, that's how you can be really, really, really smart with it. Absolutely. I think there's also opportunities for people within the that, that are on the, the business side and to, to up their game in the same thing in recruitment as well. You know, corporate recruiters, again, just tend to post their job ads and, yeah. and the canned videos about their culture, which mm. again, everyone sees right through, great, you've got ping pong tables and now I can see it. That's fantastic. <laughs> and and that, will, that will attract some people. But I, I think now a lot more people are savvy and they see that it's marketing. And I think there's a a real opportunity for organizations in general and recruiters internally uh, to facilitate a lot more conversations like you were talking about, about their industry, whether it's Mm. tech or whatever it is, like be at at the center of that discussion point. Mm. 
and, and you're well placed to do that like that you're not you're not stepping out oh no i can't do that like i'm not i'm no expert in it well no actually you're in the perfect position to do that mm-hmm. because you're you are the person in between the the business that you're working with and you're trying to solve their problems and you're trying to solve the the, the people that you're working with from a candidate perspective and their problems and you are in the middle and so you are extremely well placed to have to facilitate those conversations so they're, they're, yeah, like definitely, but recruitment specifically, you're just such in a in a unique position to share people's opinions and, and what you're seeing and what you're hearing. Um, the perfect position, I think, to do that. And outside of LinkedIn, where do you see opportunities for people to take a step in the right direction? Mm, good question. I think for me, and this is a really big thing for me, is... Um, offline is just as important as online. So for me, how I'm, what I'm thinking about when you ask me that question is how can you then leverage what you're doing online, whatever platform, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever you do, how can you then use that to um, facilitate or enable the sort of offline work, right? So I guess what I'm thinking about and um, the last sort of three, four podcasts that I've uh, recorded have all actually mentioned how they've had great, great, great success of putting people in the industry that they serve together in an event format, in a panel discussion, in a meetup or whatever. So again, recruiters are extremely well positioned to connect people. So, Basically, what I'm thinking about when you answer that is what are you doing in the offline world that also um, keeps you well informed as to what's going on, but also enables you to offer even more value to the people in your industry that's more than jobs, aka an event on, I don't know, women in tech or um, mental health in the workplace or these things, right? And you have access to some brilliant people in the industry more than more likely that candidates people that work in industry would love to learn from or at least engage with or talk to how can you facilitate that i love that i think that's from my experience heavily undervalued you know again going Mm. back to my experience we placed project managers business analysts and software developers in technology the the highest priced contractors in the industry you know making between 50 and $150 working on some of the most high profile projects. And there was such an opportunity, like they're on contract with us. We were billing them out. And so to bring them into the office and put them in the boardroom and say, we'd love you to, to quote unquote, you know, keynote a, a luncheon loan. Mm. It's just a huge opportunity that maybe huge. we don't think about those things, but it's so simple. You've got the boardroom, you're billing out the contractor. Mm. (laughs) well again it's like look the reason why it's it's like the same thing with the personal brand thing it's like okay Hisham how does this make me more money Mm -hmm. okay valid question but I think particularly with the the event piece is look the the best uh, recruiters they're 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 perceived more than just recruiters in my opinion Mm -hmm. so again if you can be perceived as someone where you're facilitating, you're allowing people um, access to some of the best people in the industry or you're uh, facilitating really interesting conversations about the industry, et cetera, et cetera, then that is extremely valuable and will generate business. If I'm a software developer and I go to um, an event where I get access to some of the best software developers in the industry and they share some of their insights and how they got to the position they did, et cetera, um, the likelihood of these people having a conversation with a recruiter at that event who hosted it or sponsored it or whatever. Oh, by the way, what do you guys do? Right. It's very likely. Do you get what I mean? It's so, so likely. And that is what will happen. And all of a sudden, particularly with the event stuff, which is why it's so effective, you have a whole new reason why to contact people. If that's businesses that you really want to work with, if that's candidates that you really want to work with, you have another reason to speak to them that isn't about jobs, um, which is extremely effective and powerful, which is also the same for 
podcast, which is one helping a lot of people at the moment. I've spoken to a lot of people about starting a podcast that's completely dedicated to serving people in the industry um, that they recruit for because it's the exact same thing. If you're able to um, contact, engage businesses, decision makers that hopefully one day or at some point you can help or work with um, that isn't typically about the other things that your competitor will be talking about, which is, are you hiring? Are you having hiring challenges, et cetera, et cetera. But it's more of how open would you be to coming to an event or um, doing a podcast that's completely dedicated or will enable you to serve the industry that you're extremely passionate about. Yeah, I've probably got two minutes to talk about that. Right. Different ball game. The thing is, I think or the, one of the key things is to not sully that with a sales pitch. Yep. You know, th- this is where we tend to go in recruitment is like everything's a sales pitch, every opportunity to be in front of someone and, and we just kind of go straight into it. But, you know, the best recruiters lot- have a long-term mindset. Exactly. Yeah. They just do. They do, they do the right thing. They may actually, they may actually be willing to take the, the shortcoming in the short term because they know long-term that might benefit them. They, they, are, they are the people, salespeople, recruiters, whatever. They are the best people in the industry. The million pound billers, the extremely successful people have a long-term mindset and um, are willing to do the right thing. As simple as that sounds, they're the best people that do it. So you're completely right. If you're then going to approach that and say, right, so I've got 50 software developers in the room. How many business cards can I get? How many people can I get into my phone, into my phone? How many numbers, et cetera, et cetera. It's not going to last very long. No, it's not. Constantly building leverage is what I observed of the best people. And I'm still friends with most of the people that, that I worked with in the industry and just, always leverage, always leverage. And it wasn't just always selling. Mm. And, and that leverage might be activated 10 years down the line, five years down the line, whatever it might be. But there was always this point, you know, I introduced you to this person and, and you know, now I'm calling back that favor or whatever it might be. Yeah. But it, it just, it was never so much about trying to get that instant sale. And, yeah. And uh, I think just to, just to round that off, Cody, I think again, likewise, you can't, and this is something that I, I instill in people, um, which is the, the paying forward mindset, right? Is um, you can't then do these things with the expectation of getting something in return because um, you're more than likely to quit when you get no leads or these things from the first event. Again, you can't, you can't, you can't approach it that way. No. And um, if you do, that's okay, but you're a lot more vulnerable to quitting before you, you really reap the net reward of um, what you're trying to do. All right, mate. So for people listening, how can they find you? And, and you know, who are you working? Who can you work with at the moment? So I'm I'm someone in Toronto. I want to reach out to Hisham. Are you able to to look at international clients? Are you, are you adding international at the moment? You know, who should get in contact with you and, and then how can they get in contact with you? I mean, my, my second biggest audience is um, Australia with the podcast and, and my LinkedIn and then and third America and, and Canada way. So I've, I've actually got four Australian clients. So what I do can definitely be con- conducted over a Zoom video call um, for sure. But look, in a nutshell, I don't need to give a big sales pitch, but in a, in a nutshell, my mission and how I'm helping people is I want to help build personal brands for passionate recruiters so they can essentially reach more people and impact more lives. That's my whole thing. So um, how I do that is through a typical training and coaching business where I have a 12-week program, I have a one-on-one program, I have workshops. Obviously, um, I haven't got enough for clients on the other side of the world yet to warrant me going over there and doing a workshop, which I'd love to do at some point. But <laughs> ultimately it's, it's that typical type of business. But I basically just to round that off every single person that I work with, which would either be a recruiter that genuinely wants to invest in their career and they're really passionate about, um, what they want to achieve with their recruitment career, or it could be a recruitment agency owner, um, Basically, I take everyone through a very, very simple process, which I like to call the three P's, um, which is the process that I've used for myself to build my personal brand. 
The first P is a, stands for purpose. It's all about understanding what you want to be known for within your market. The second P is for plan. So, okay, let's actually think about your target audience and build some um, personas for the people that you want to be engaging with so we know what you should be talking about online. Once we've done that, we can then also create a very simple plan and strategy that I can hold you accountable to and can help you execute. And then the last P, what we were just talking about there, Cody, is paying forward. Building a personal brand is exactly like building a recruitment desk and a successful business. Um, you have to have a long-term mindset and the best people who achieve that go-to status are more than willing to pay it forward and give it back. So that's a simple process that I take everyone through that I work with. And at the moment, I'm completely dedicated to serving and helping passionate recruiters. I know there's already... You can find me on LinkedIn. Sorry. (laughs) Obviously, I'm going to be on LinkedIn. Yeah, Hisham Aziz on LinkedIn (laughs) or Instagram, Hisham Aziz. But Hisham Aziz on LinkedIn, sorry. I I hope so. I hope you're on LinkedIn. (laughs) No, I I know you've got an Australian footprint already, but I'm going to make... um, Bold declaration. I think we should get you to Toronto first. So I'm going to... Oh, um, talk to me. Yeah. Well, I, I, there's a market here for you. And, and like I said, yeah. that's that's who my, my original message was aimed at, was mm. was this market. Well, one of, the, one of the first people that I had on the podcast was from uh, Toronto, actually. Perfect. All right. Yeah. So that, that's going to be... Oh, I'm going to work on that for you <laughs> and, and with good. you. So... Uh, Mate, this has been fantastic and I, like I said, I, I love your work. I love what you're doing. I love that you've, you've gone out on your own. Uh, you've backed yourself and I think you've got some amazing ideas and I would implore people in the recruitment industry to get in touch with you, even if it's just for a chat because um, I, I think you can bring a lot of value to what's being done already. Um, so thanks for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Kate. I really appreciate it.